0: Well, Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Hi. Uh, we're, uh, I'm excited to be able to keep talking about Calvin, uh, so let's I'll jump into it. Uh, let me pray for us. Um, I'll have uh, Calvin pray for us again. <clears throat> One of his prayers here. So if you would, uh, bow your heads with me and let's pray. O Lord, you are our creator, and we are the work of your hands. You are our shepherd, and we are your flock. You are our redeemer, we are the people you have bought back. You are our God, we are your inheritance. Therefore, be not angry against us to correct us in your wrath. Recall not our iniquity to punish, uh, to punish it, but chastise us gently in your kindliness. Be mindful that your name is called, um, called upon among us and that we bear your mark and badge. Undertake, rather, the work you have already begun in us by your grace, in order that the whole earth may recognize that you are our God and our Savior. Amen. Well, we are going to continue our uh, journey through Calvin's uh, little book on the Christian life. I uh, hope and pray that you've been uh, blessed by uh, the reading of this. Um, It is uh, just a wonderful uh, book. I encourage you to keep uh, reading through it, and um, we will uh, we'll uh, be in the uh, the fourth uh, chapter today, and then we'll finish up uh, next week with the uh, the final chapter of of just these this uh, five chapter little book on uh, the Christian life. Well, if you are not with us or you need a summary of what we uh, did last week, what we looked at, uh, so Calvin has been uh, in this book. In this portion of the Institutes, Calvin has been trying to set before us a model or a uh, guidebook, uh, some kind of of uh, uh, a way for us to live the Christian life, uh, which is to uh, grow in holiness or to uh, continue to become more like Christ. And which is why he summarizes at the beginning of this book that the end goal the purpose of God's work of sanctification in our life is that we would be made holy as God is holy. So that, that is the goal. That is why we are saved. That's why God gives us his spirit. That's why the spirit is at work in us, that we would become holy as God is holy. And so that leads to the next uh, question that will come up is, how do we accomplish this holiness? And we see that Calvin is is very biblical, and he lays out uh, what holiness looks like. Holiness is conformity completely to God's holy law. God tells us what holiness is. God is holy. He gives us his law. And we are to be holy through uh, obedience to and conformity to God's law. Which, again, in parentheses, I put the summary of that law as, as our Lord Jesus himself summarizes for us. Uh, We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, On this hang all the law and the prophets. So that is what we are to do. Well, how are we to do it? Calvin says that Scripture teaches us that self-denial is the only way that we are able to love others and to love God. And so in the the main portion of this book, he talks about self-denial. Uh, denying ourselves is how we uh, accomplish this, is how we live the life. The Christian life is a life of self-denial, of denying ourselves. And part of that denying ourselves is taking up our cross. And so those, those go together. And so he talked about self-denial, what that looks like, how self-denial helps us to love our neighbors, how self-denial helps us to love God. And one of the ways that we love God is through bearing our crosses. And we, and we looked at how, uh, last week especially, how God gives each of us different crosses to bear, different trials, different sufferings, different things that we go through, uh, shaped specifically for us to help us to grow. Uh, the, cross, uh, the crosses that we each bear uh, are unique to us. They're specifically, specifically shaped for us uh, as a medicine for us to help us to uh, be cured of the disease of sin in our lives, And they're the Lord's uh, discipline to us, to instruct us in our our need uh, for God, of our need to become more like him. And then what we looked at last week, uh, specifically at the end of last week, is because God is at work in our sufferings and in these trials, because God is the one who is in his providence giving us these crosses to bear, that helps us to make sense of our suffering. Because we know that there is a divine hand behind it, and not just a a divine hand, but a a loving hand of a loving Father who loves us, who cares for us. And so uh, because He is at work uh, through our suffering, because we know that the end result of our suffering is uh, God working through them for our salvation, then we can... uh, endure suffering, we can go through suffering um, and make sense of that, knowing that uh, unlike the world, unlike uh, the philosophers, unlike whatever it might be that simply tells us suffering is a part of life and we just have to bear with it, but we can say suffering is a part of life, and God is using that for our own good and for his own glory. And so that leads us then to to our, our discussion today, where Calvin says... That suffering, as it helps us to become more like Christ, um, it will help us and make us to, to long to be with him. Um, as we become more Christ-like, we will naturally want to uh, be where he is and to, to be with him. And so that will lead us then to, to meditate, Calvin says, on our future life. That as we bear suffering in this life, we'll be reminded of the truth that this world is not our own, or our home. Uh, This is not where we truly belong, but we we belong somewhere else, and uh, so that will lead to the discussion for this chapter, which uh, is called uh, the Meditation on Our Future uh, Life. That's the content of this chapter. Uh, So we are in the Institutes. This is the—oh, that's a mistake. That should say this Christian Life, chapter 4. We're in chapter 4. I apologize for that. This is the fourth chapter of this book which corresponds to the Institute's Book 3, uh, Chapter 9. So in this chapter, Calvin is going to focus on that future reality of the Christian. That is, uh, our glorification and our perfect communion with uh, our Creator. And we'll see that in this chapter, this is a cycle uh, that will build uh, in the Christian as as he uh, pursues these things. And we'll see that the the more that the Christian uh, denies himself, the more that he will uh, want to and uh, seek Christ. And the more that uh, the Christian seeks Christ, uh, the more he's able to bear whatever cross is placed upon him because he will see that his sufferings identify himself with his Lord. And the more he suffers, the more he'll understand that this life is not all there is, and so the more that he will desire his future life. And the more he desires and meditates on his future life, The more grand Christ will become in his eyes, and the more he will desire to be like him. And so the more he desires to be like Christ, the more he will seek to deny himself, and so on, and so on, and so forth. And the glorious reality for the Christian is that God is the one who is at work the whole time. He is the one who is laying upon the Christian these perfectly shaped crosses, that are both a medicine uh, to, to cure our sinful desires and a discipline to, to teach us to trust in God more and more. And so in this chapter, we really see the, the beauty of the scriptural reality uh, that we uh, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but God is the one who is both uh, at work to, to will and to work in us to accomplish that. Uh, so we, we work out, and God is at work in and so these uh, final two chapters, the chapter today, the chapter next week, these are uh, shorter than the previous, uh, previous two. This chapter has uh, six sections uh, that we can organize under uh, two different headings. Uh, the first heading, Calvin uh, will uh, want to continue his discussion on cross-bearing, demonstrating uh, to us that bearing our cross helps us to uh, focus on what truly matters, that it shows us that this present life is not all there is, and it will never give us the satisfaction uh, that, that we desire, that we long for. And then Calvin uh, will instruct us uh, next um, that this future life is what we must set our minds toward, that not only... Uh, that only in the life to come will everything be be made new, that we are just pilgrims in this life. Uh, Like Crossbearing reminds us of that fact and directs our attention back to the goal, that goal of when we will be with the Lord, when uh, faith will be turned to sight, when we will uh, be with him, commune with him face uh, to face. So that is where we're going this morning. So we'll look at that... um, that first heading, these first two sections, would show us that how uh, bearing a cross, it, it it shows us, it demonstrates for us, it, it uh, instructs us how uh, this life uh, is full of vanity. So that's Calvin's uh, first uh, topic in that first section. He restates the main goal uh, in this first section: that no matter what crosses God gives us to bear in this life. Calvin says that we should always set our eyes on, the, on God's purpose to train us to think little of this present life and inspire us to think more about the future life. And now that is not to say, uh, and I'll just preface this right away, it's not to say that this present life has no value whatsoever. Uh, Calvin ad- will address that point later in one of the sections in this chapter, but the last chapter will be all about the present life and how, how we live in light of this reality, how we uh, use the, the benefits and the gifts in this present life. Uh, that will be the main discussion of the final chapter. Uh, but for now, um, in, this, uh, in this chapter, um, he uh, wants to, to make sure that we never uh, forget and never lose sight of our ultimate destiny, of, all, of the reality of everlasting life, eternal life with him. And that's what we are to put our minds toward. And so by these tribulations then, uh, Calvin says that God is weaning us from excessive love of this present life. One of the reasons we suffer trials and we uh, suffer loss and tribulations, uh, which we, we looked at last week, is, is so that we would think on and we would meditate and we would long for the future life. As Jesus says in Matthew 16, and we've quoted this uh, passage uh, a few times already in this class, Matthew 16:25 through 27, uh, Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And so what use is it? Indeed, what, what use is it at all if we gain, our, gain everything we could ever want in this present life, but we, we forfeit our soul in the process and we, we forget about what's to come and we neglect what is ahead of us? And this is really, it is hard to do. Uh, this is not something that's easy to do. Nothing that we've talked about in this class so far is something that's been, been easy to do. But it's what we are called to do. And the amazing reality, the truth, is that God loves us so much, he loves us too much, that he would let us, to, let us uh, fall in love with the world and forget uh, him, forget the one who has loved us first. And so uh, he will take away that which is freely given to us, in this life, even if it causes real suffering in the present, if in the end it will save our souls. So Calvin, he raises the rhetorical question in this section and and, um, and just asks if we're better uh, than the animals, if we're, if we're better than them. We know the animals only act from instinct, but we like to think that we're reasonable creatures. We like to think that we act uh, out of out of reason and we're able to make uh, decisions based on the future. Uh, but he says and ask us to think back. And if we, if we examined the lives of others, if we examined our own lives and our own actions, what would our actions say about our priorities? That's an important question uh, for all of us to act. What, what are we doing in this present life, and what does that say about where our priorities are? It reminds me of uh, the movie Gladiator no. with uh, the Roman General Maximus when he's encouraging his troops uh, on the eve of battle. He's, 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 uh, he's getting them ready to to charge out to the enemy. And he tells them this famous line that what we do in this life echoes in eternity. It's an awesome line. It's an awesome movie. It makes you it makes you ready to run through a brick wall. It gets you excited. It gets you pumped up. But He's right, in a sense, and, and, you know, it's not Elysium that uh, is, is what's ahead of us, uh, but it is true that what we do now matters. Uh, to put it another way, as R.C. Sproul would say, uh, he says that right now counts forever. That was one of his uh, sayings in the Table Talk magazines and, and throughout his ministry, that what we do right now does matter. Are we going to to, uh, seek the pleasures in this life, to seek them as an end in and of themselves? Or are we going to make our lives count for something? And in order to make our lives count for something, uh, that means that we surrender our lives completely to Christ, that we deny ourselves completely. It's so uh, counterintuitive, especially in the world around us, that in order to live our best life, that means that we forsake our life completely. In order to be completely self-fulfilled, we deny ourselves in everything that we could ever want in this life. But the more we do that, the more we become more Christ-like, the more our desires change, the more we, we uh, are more in tune with what the Lord wills. And so that's where we do find our deepest satisfaction. And so that, that's what we're called to do here. We are called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing uh, to God, and this is a constant struggle. And this is why God is constantly at work in our lives through the various uh, crosses and things that we we uh, have to remind us to trust in Him. And so, let me read uh, this um, <clears throat> this section from the Institutes on page ninety and ninety one. And Calvin's talking about this, this wickedness of, of the love for the world and the gratification of the flesh. And so Calvin says, In order to resist this wickedness, the Lord teaches his people about the emptiness of this present life through constant lessons and suffering. Thus, so that his people don't promise themselves lofty and untroubled peace in this life, he often permits them to be troubled and harassed by wars, uprisings, robberies, and other injuries. So that they don't gawk with too much greediness at frail and tottering riches or rest on those they already possess, he reduces them to poverty or at least restricts them uh, to very little wealth through exile, barrenness of land, fire, and other means. So that they aren't enticed too much by the advantages of married life, he lets them be frustrated by the offenses of their spouse, humbles them by the wickedness of their children, or afflicts them with the loss of a child. And you'll remember how Calvin uh, suffered in those ways with the loss of his, his son to only a couple days in infancy and the loss of his wife uh, a few years later after. However, he goes on, however, there are times when God deals more gently with his people, yet even, then, even when he does, so that they don't become puffed up with pride or inflated with self-confidence, he sets before their eyes disease and danger to teach them how unstable and fleeting are those good things that come to men who are subject to... To death, and so we see Calvin uh, repeating the same the same idea that God gives us precisely what we need, uh, that we might not always bear it ourselves uh, certain trials, but but God still puts before our eyes uh, certain things in the world, and we see the suffering around the world, and we're reminded of of the of the uh, f- uh, that life is fleeting, that life is so short. And so we're reminded that all these things, sin and suffering, these will all persist until Christ returns makes all things new. And so, Calvin writes, we ought to realize that our souls will never seriously rise to the desire and contemplation of the future life until they've been soaked in scorn for this present life. And so God wants us to be like christ, and so he 's reminding us daily that this world, this life we have before us now is not you know, all there is it 's not our future destiny, but there is a life to come and so he goes on, and he uh, Calvin will talk about in the next section our tendency uh, that we will just uh, will always forget <laughs> uh, that we uh, do not belong here, that this world is is uh, we're just pilgrims in this life, and that our our future life uh, is with him in heaven. But we we tend to always forget this, and so Calvin moves to uh, to talk about this more. Uh, If you'll remember, one of the points we made at the beginning of this class is that Calvin does not uh, shy away from the tension that exists in Scripture. So in the first class, we talked about that, and we said that in this short book, Calvin, he gives answers to important questions, with this deep pastoral care, and that he uh, does so in a way that makes sense of this tension that exists. And so the, the one of the translators uh, of this book, uh, Burke Parsons, says that Calvin helps to give the church a careful, wise, and faithful doctrine of sanctification that holds together all the beautiful biblical tensions that exist, all the beautiful doctrinal complexities that exist in the Christian life. They help hold these uh, those things together so that they are not... S- so that we are not so easily swayed from one thing uh, to another. And so we see that Calvin's doing that precisely here. This, this is the, the first part of, of this uh, second section. Uh, Calvin says that there's no middle ground between these two things, between the two things of, of um, loving this present life and seeking this present life for seeking the life to come. He says that either earth must become worthless to us, or we must remain bound by the chains of extravagant love for it. And that's a very uh, harsh dichotomy. Um, but what is Calvin saying here? Is he saying that there's absolutely nothing good or nothing worthwhile in this life? Uh, he, he's not saying that. And he'll, he'll temper these words in the next section that we'll read. Uh, but what he uh, wants to say here is what Scripture says. Uh, that we cannot serve and we cannot love two masters. As, as Paul says, that he longs to depart and to be with the Lord, as that is much better, but he will stay on earth as long as the Lord uh, wills him uh, to. And so, what Calvin here is, is demonstrating for us is, is how easy it is for us to, to love the world and how dangerous it is to, to love the world. Maybe you'll remember the story of the uh, rich young man in, in Matthew 19 who, who comes to Jesus and asks him what he must do uh, to inherit eternal life. And, and Jesus tells him, uh, lists out uh, some of the uh, commandments, and the, and the man says that he's kept all these from his, his youth. And Jesus says there's one last thing you must do. You must sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me and there you will find and you will gain treasure in heaven that is eternal life but unfortunately we read the story and this young man he he walks away and he walks away uh, sorrowful we're told because he has many possessions and that leads Jesus to turn to his disciples and to say that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And what's interesting about this story, sometimes we can uh, overlook this, is the disciples' reaction to Jesus' saying. Matthew nineteen twenty-five: the disciples, uh, it says that when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? And that is important for us to, to understand that salvation is so impossible that if it was up to men, it indeed would be impossible. And we think of that analogy of the camel passing through the needle. This is, it should paint the picture. We, we think literally, Think of, picture a camel and the eye of a needle. It's, it's an impossibility. But Jesus tells us that what is impossible for man to do is, in fact, possible for God. God is alone is the one who saves. And he can save to the uttermost, from the richest to the poorest. But notice then the, that uh, true, that real danger of whether it's possessions, whether it's uh, entertainment, whether whatever it is in this life that we can fall in love with that can keep us out of the kingdom of God, and that's what happened uh, to this this rich uh, young man. And that's a, a, a sober warning for us, especially uh, in in America, where we have prospered so well. Uh, and that's why we, we want to live with open hands and give with uh, generous hearts. That's why we, we give to the local church. Uh, we're, we're called to do that. It's, it's part of what we are uh, called to do. But, but more than just uh, to, to uh, support the local church and help it to run, we give so that uh, we would be freed from that love of money that is, is so uh, tempting for all of us to have, that we would, be, that we would learn as we give. Uh, of what we have earned, what God has enabled us to earn, we we give freely so that we would not have closed fists and uh, go to hell, but we would have open open hands and uh, uh, achieve our inheritance in heaven. And so that that will lead us to the. Um, oh, there's the I put that that quote I read on the screen there. So Calvin's gonna he's gonna. Uh, Speak, speak truth in both of these things that that there is good in this present life, but we we need to uh, forsake this present life, lest we fall in love with it and and uh, forget where uh, we truly belong. Um, but uh, so let me let me pause there. I've talked a little bit now, uh, but let me just pause, see if there's any any questions or anything that I could clarify before we uh, move into the next section. Uh, yeah, it is, and it's difficult for me to do. Uh, like and like I mentioned. His, the last chapter of this book will be all about that. How do we find that balance between uh, despising, as it were, this life, but being full of gratitude and joy from the real and true blessings in this life? And Calvin will even address that in this next section, because uh, he, he's anticipating those kinds of reactions, because he knows what he's writing is, is, is very stark and difficult. And so in this next section, he'll talk about that uh, he'll say we should have a certain level of contempt for this life, but that does not mean that we have hatred for this life or ingratitude toward God for the blessings in this life, and so it, it's it is a it is a difficult balance to find. But I think as we as we uh, think about it, um, it'll it'll help stretch our minds and and to to consider uh, what what Calvin is trying to do here and, and trying to to lead us back to think more on on our future life. So um, again, it's it's stuff that we will wrestle with and we'll we'll feel the tension of, but. Um, I don't know if that uh, fully satisfies exactly, you know, because it, it, it Calvin does not uh, mince words, and he really never does. Um, but I think it, it's helpful for us to to consider um, what he's talking about. So, wait, 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 just well, I, I think you will be rewarded <laughs> for your patience, and even even in this next section, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. We'll have oh, go ahead, Morgan. Yeah, um, would you just really yeah, it's the. Calvin's trying to put into words what it means uh, for us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god uh, to um, to um, to follow the scriptural command and Jesus' command that we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him and we see that throughout the Gospels of the the first will be last and the last will be first uh, when James and John are Uh, are talking with one another, and then they come and and even ask Jesus, would you give us the the privilege of being on your right and on your left when you come into your kingdom? And the other disciples are indignant about that. And Jesus uses that to teach them that uh, the first will be last, the last first, but just as the Son of Man came to to serve and not to be served, so are we to uh, seek to serve one another. And uh, as Paul say in the to the Philippians that uh, in humility we are to count others as as uh, more important or more worthy than ourselves and and we are to seek their good over our own. Uh, so so all of that uh, Calvin is summarizing as as self denial. And um, so you can think of it in terms of, of of that in terms of of obedience to God's law, loving the Lord with all of our faculties, and loving our our neighbors as ourselves. Um, it means that we will always seek uh, the good of the other uh, above our own, and um, and so the way we do that is in is in whatever uh, area, whatever relationship we're in, uh, to our husband, to our spouse, uh, to our children, uh, to the members of our church, and to our families. And then extending out beyond the household of god to to those that we meet uh, to those that we we are acquaintances with and to the neighbors uh around the world uh that we that we we know uh, where are to to seek to love them um so I don't know if that completely answers your question um you know it's certainly uh, I think that that's the that's the framework that we want to have and then how that works out into every Different area and different relationship in our life may may look different uh, to each person um, and maybe that's where uh, the nitty gritty comes in. What does it look like to deny myself in this situation um, and, and maybe that's some of the tension you 're feeling but a, a self serving sort of yeah yeah, and Calvin does address that a little bit in the in the previous chapter or maybe the chapter before, but he talks about uh, there is the there is the 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 philanthropy of the world and the charity of the world that is still done with ulterior motives as it were, and uh, so Calvin says that that would be our default how we would operate, except we do have this inward change by the spirit that allows us to truly uh, love others without any desire of of something in return whether that be praise or reward or and he he talks about the 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 pharisees who who have received their reward already on earth because they they showboat as it were uh, their their holiness and their piety Uh, but but for the christian we're to do that um, in private we're to pray in private we're to give without the expectation of something in return we're to truly deny ourselves in that way to love others yeah let's keep going and uh, hopefully, we'll have some time for for more questions as we as we end. So, like we've been wrestling with this tension, we we come now to this uh, this the second um, heading, as it were, where Calvin wants to talk about how our cross that we bear, how the sufferings we go through demonstrate the value of our life to come. And the first thing, uh, Deb, to your to your excellent point, is that this does. Give us proper gratitude for our earthly life. Again, this is Calvin's going to go through this in much more detail in the final chapter because it is so important. But here, uh, he will uh, say um, briefly that uh, the contempt for this present life that believers should cultivate shouldn't produce hatred of this life or ingratitude toward God. And so Calvin's using those two words: we have we have contempt for this life but not hatred uh, for this life. And I, that's a really interesting, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, statement. Uh, what exactly does that look like? What is that, uh, how do we wrestle with that? Uh, I, I wrestle with it as well, exactly what, what he means by that. And uh, what I would suggest, what he means by contempt, is that we do have a level of discomfort and a level of disdain, uh, in the sense that we, that we know that we will never really achieve what we want in this life. Because what we want in this life to, is to be like Christ perfectly and to be with him. And we'll never be able to achieve that in this life. And so there is a level of, of contempt in that sense because we, we're, we're away from home, as it were. None of us likes to be away from home forever. Uh, we, we might enjoy traveling, but we always look forward to returning home. What Calvin says is that this, this world is not our home, and so we have, we have a level of contempt uh, for it. Uh, we have contempt because this life is marred by sin, the sin that was committed uh, that we committed in our father Adam, and the sin that we daily add to, and we know that we can never be rid of sin in this life, and so we we uh, are upset about that. Uh, we we wish that wasn't the case, and, and so we long for the life to come where that won't be the case any longer. But uh, along with that, Calvin says that we we never have a hatred for this life, and we never. Uh, would ever seek to end our life prematurely, and we would never have ingratitude toward God for all the real blessings that he gives us in this life. And so Calvin, Calvin writes that, that we, we are guilty of ingratitude to God if we fail to recognize something of divine blessing in this life. Indeed, uh, believers in particular should see evidence of divine kindness in this life since everything in it has been designed to further their own salvation. Before he openly presents to us our inheritance of eternal glory, God desires to, to declare himself our Father through smaller proofs. And these smaller proofs uh, are the good gifts that God gives us in this life. The, the real joys, the, the relationships, the memories, the, the, the marriages, the children, the, the even financial success, uh, even the, the enjoying of, of a, a, a weekend uh, together or a weekend away or vacations. Whatever it might be, the, these, are, these are good gifts. These are proofs that God is our Father, that He does love us, that He is working all things uh, for our good. And so Calvin will give us uh, two reasons for gratitude uh, briefly here. First, he says that God is using this life to prepare us for eternity. We are being prepared for the glory of his heavenly kingdom, and we are prepared uh, through um, what he gives us, the good gifts, and, and, and the struggles that God also uses uh, to shape us and to conform us to his image. And so since he's using this present life to do that, that's a reason to have gratitude uh, for the present life. And secondly, he says that in this life, we begin to taste the sweetness of God. And that fills us with hope uh, for the kind of sweetness that will exist when we are with God and we have communion with him face to face. If if we already can taste the sweetness of God and how good God is to us in this life, how much more then uh, will that be when we are with him face to face, and we are with him forever, and he has made all things new. Uh, so that, that's what Calvin is pointing to here. And so by this, by, by this we, we gain a gratitude for this life, but then we also gain a proper longing for the uh, eternal life. And so that's the next section. And, and we, we touched on this briefly already, but, but Calvin is really, he's helping us answer the question, of, if all of this is true, that this life is misery and that the life to come is, is, is better, then, then it must follow that it would be better if, if uh, we were just there already, if, if, <laughs> if we were dead as it were. And so Calvin's going to talk, talk about some of these, these, these questions. This is something that philosophers have wrestled with uh, throughout the ages. Would it just be better if we were dead? Uh, would it be better if, if uh, we were no longer here? Um, and Calvin says there, there's something to that, uh, that these, the, some of the philosophers that he's, he's dialoguing with, they would say that it's better to die young or not be born at all, uh, but, uh, or, or even that uh, some of the philosophers would say that it's appropriate uh, to have a solemn sort of, of joy at, at the funeral. Uh, even the funeral of someone that is a very young, a child, uh, because um, they're escaping this this uh, world full of evil and suffering. And this would be the right approach, but uh, uh, that is um, this would be appropriate for them if in their worldview that this life is all there is, that there is no reason for suffering other than it's a part of life. Then then that would be. Um, the, the right course of, of thinking. But, Calvin says, they do not have the faith to understand that God is at work, and God purposes all things for good, for the good of those who love him. That we are not to wish or seek for our lives to end prematurely. We do not have this kind of, of uh, solemn uh, uh, joy over death, but we, we do um, grieve, but we grieve as those that have hope. Um, but um, we, we are reoriented, in our, in our way of thinking, that we, we, we know that there is a life to come, and so we are longing for that life, um, but we understand that God is working in this present life um, to, to get us ready uh, for that uh, future life. And so, um, so let me read uh, part of Calvin's discussion on this matter uh, as he is so helpful. Uh, let me see uh, what I want to read here. He's raising these questions about why we um, why we would long for this future life, and he he, so he asks us a series of these questions on page ninety nine. He says, "If heaven is our home, then what is earth but our place of exile? If departure from this world is entrance into life, what is this world but a grave? What is continuing in this life but remaining submerged in death?" If being liberated from the body means laying hold of real freedom, what is the body but a prison? If the pinnacle of of happiness consists in the enjoyment of God's presence, is it not misery to be without it? But until we escape this world, we are away from the Lord. And so he's, he's helping us to, again, using... Um, some very, very sharp language, but helping us to, uh, wants us to realize that and put in proper perspective that uh, this world is not um, where uh, we truly belong. Uh, this is not our home, uh, but we have something far, far greater ahead of us. But he will, uh, he'll make sure that we don't uh, think in, uh, in too drastic of terms But that we we look to the Lord in, in everything. So let me read from, from page, uh, page on 100 page 101. Um, that uh, that we, we should long for our uh, our heavenly home, um, but we remain on earth as long as the Lord wills it, and we we seek to be faithful as long as He will keep us here. And so Calvin says, if then we must live and die to the Lord, let us leave to Him the decision of when our lives will end. But let us do so in such a way that we burn with desire for the end of this life, and let us remain constant in meditation on the next life. Indeed, considering our future immortality. Let us scorn this life, considering the mastery of sin in this life. Let us long to give up this life as soon as it should please the Lord. So, Dev, does that make you uh, feel more comfortable? <laughs> is that less uh, less uh, sharp? No, it's it's a very difficult thing that he's saying. Uh, it it very much is, uh, but uh, Calvin is wanting to in this chapter really, truly, to, to paint a picture of that future life that we would uh, put it in proper perspective. And he will uh, come in the, in the next chapter and talk about um, some of the tensions that he's raising about this present life. Yeah, Kathy, do you have a question? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a really helpful comparison. Thank you. Yeah, it's... it's um, it's not Calvin's not uh, asking us to to have this uh, an angry uh, temperament, as it were, uh, toward this life, or to, to to despise it in that sense. But but in comparison, like you're saying, is um, he, he's raising the point that if if we truly understood, if we if we're truly believing in in the words of Scripture and understand what's what's ahead of us, which is everything we could ever hope or dream or desire, and even more than that, then why wouldn't we we long for that? Why wouldn't we want to be there? and um, And Calvin will say that if if we have that proper perspective, that'll actually help us to live in this life more faithfully and to enjoy uh, this life uh, to its fullest, uh, knowing that um, our eternity is secure in him, um, what the life to come will be like that'll help us to be even more faithful and joyful uh, in this present life and to enjoy all the all the real blessings in this life yeah right we we don't uh, unlike the Stoics who. Uh, have adversity and prosperity, they treat both of those the same. They want to show no emotion to either. Uh, we we can both grieve fully uh, as Christians and we can rejoice fully as Christians. We can have both of those emotions because we know uh, who we are, who God has made us to be, and we're trusting in him, knowing that God is working all those things uh, and through those things for our good. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for that. So along along with that then, because Calvin he is writing this uh, pastorally to his church and to uh his kinsmen uh in France and to all the all the Christians uh throughout uh the world at the time um that uh they would be edified and they would be strengthened in their faith and so he turns now to this this next section that um because of of all of this uh that uh this world is not our own. Uh, or our home, uh, that we that we our uh, life with Christ is secure, then believers truly uh, do not fear death and ought not to fear death. And so uh, Calvin um, <clears throat> uh, will say, yeah, that uh, if you have been born again of the Spirit and not of the flesh, then you will uh, then you will have this kind of spiritual longing uh, to to be uh, in. Uh, at home, as it were, with the Lord. This will be an instinctive thing that we, we have uh, deep down. We'll, we'll know that we, we truly don't belong here. And so Calvin, um, he he writes this as a, as a short pep talk, as it were, uh, to encourage us um, about uh, not fearing death. Uh, but he, he will point, uh, his readers, he points us to consider uh, this work of of uh, Cyprian of Carthage, uh, who uh, was a Christian writer, a bishop of Carthage in the third century, who wrote uh, on uh, death, and who uh, wrote about not fearing death. He, uh, he wrote um, this uh, short treatise on, uh, on mortality or on demortality. Uh, Cyprian was alive uh, during this plague that ravaged uh, the Roman Empire, Uh, in um, the the mid-200s A.D. And um, we do not know the exact uh, numbers or all the details about uh, what this plague was or how many uh, deaths it caused, but um, there's some estimates that uh, around 5,000 people a day uh, were were dying from this at its peak and uh, that many were dying, including those in the church. And so the the church, uh, the early church, was wondering... uh, what they were to do, and this this plague was affecting them just as much as it was affecting um, the unbeliever, and so Cyprian is, is he's addressing the needs of of uh, of his church at that time. And I bring him up because he is so helpful. Uh, in fact, um, uh, because of his writing on this plague and on the Christian response to it uh, in, in modern history, this, this plague is sometimes referred to as the plague of Cyprian. Not that he uh, caused it, uh, but that that he wrote on it. And uh, that we we know a lot about this plague based on his firsthand account of it, uh, but it's so Calvin met, mentions this as as uh, further reading, and it's an excellent read. It's twenty six paragraphs long. Uh, you can find it online. I encourage you to read it. Uh, I can get you a copy of it as well. Um, but it's 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 so helpful, and I want to read just a couple uh, portions of it. I think we have time to read a few quotes. Uh, just uh, as you can see, uh, just how much um, Calvin is similar to Cyprian, and just how much uh, Cyprian and Calvin are both uh, scriptural. Uh, they're they're both um, saying the same things. Let me see which. Uh, I wanted to just read the entire thing, uh, so bear with me. I, I tried my best to um, f- pull out a few really helpful paragraphs. Let me read this one. He, he, he'll say that since the world hates the Christian, he's talking to his, his, the members of his church, Cyprian says, since the world hates the Christian, why do you love that which hates you? Why would you be in love with this world knowing that the world hates you and, and hates your, your master, your Lord? And he'll go on, go on and say, and why do you not rather follow Christ who both redeemed you and loves you? It says, rather, beloved brethren, with a sound mind and with firm faith, with a robust virtue, let us be prepared for the whole will of God. Laying aside the fear of death, let us think on the immortality which follows. By this, let us show ourselves to be what we believe that we do not grieve over the, over the departure of those dear to us, and that when the day of our summons shall arrive, we come without delay and without resistance to the Lord when He Himself calls us. Now, again, He's he's uh speaking this into a world where uh, you didn't know one day to the next if if you were going to be the next one that would uh, drop dead by this plague and that uh, it was it was affecting the city and the death was so so real and, and we don't have that similar experience we we still know death in our in our uh, society but we're we've been so blessed by modern medicine and and technology that uh that these kinds of of uh, plague events are just not, not the same to us, but this is a community that was faced with the reality of death before their eyes daily. And so he's writing this to him, and he writes this as well. Uh, I, I really, I love this. Uh, Cyprian is really getting uh, to the point that Calvin raises here, that this world is not our home, and that we're to long for our home. And, and so he says uh, he says this. He says, Let us greet the day which assigns each of us to his own home which snatches us hence and sets us free from the snares of the world and restores us to paradise and the kingdom. Who that has been placed in foreign lands would not hasten to return to his own country. Who that is hastening to return to his friends would not eagerly desire a prosperous gale that he might might the sooner embrace those dear to him. Who among us wouldn't, doesn't long for home? Who among us doesn't long to be back in, in the arms of our family and, and our friends? With regard to paradise, and, and they're referring to heaven, with regard to paradise in our country, uh, we already begin to consider the patriarchs as our parents. Referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all those who have gone before. If we regard them as our parents, why do we not hasten and run that we may behold our country and that we may greet our parents? There is a great number of our dear ones there a great number of our dear ones is awaiting us, and a dense crowd of parents, brothers, children is longing for us, already assured of their own safety, and still uh, solicitous of our salvation so we we have a home, we have a family, uh, we have a country, we have a kingdom that is waiting for us. Cyprian is, is highlighting that. He's, he's trying to help his people to focus on that future reality so that they can, they can bear in uh, the trials before them in the present life. And that's what Calvin is wanting uh, us to do as well. And so let me conclude then uh, with this final section <coughs> uh, that uh, Calvin uh, shows us uh, and, and helps us to see um, that as long as we are on this life... Uh, uh, death awaits us, uh, but uh, we, since we know that uh, we have this future life ahead of us, uh, we have comfort, true comfort, uh, throughout this this present life. And the comfort for Calvin is the resurrection. The comfort is that this, uh, this man, this Jesus, he truly died, and he truly uh, rose again on the third day and has ascended into heaven. And if that's true... And if we belong to him, then we believe all of his promises. We believe what Christ says to us and what Christ says of us, what he says about us. We talked about that in previous weeks. We don't, we don't listen to what the world says about us, but we, we listen to what Christ, what Jesus, what our Lord has to say about us. And, and his promises is uh, that he, he promises comfort uh, for his people. And so Revelation 22, uh, Jesus promises his people that uh, he says, I'm coming soon, bringing my uh, recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. So Jesus is coming, and he's going to right every wrong. Uh, He is going to judge. He is going uh, to, uh, to, uh, to fix everything, as it were. Uh, in Revelation 21, he says that that uh, when he comes, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so the comfort we have is that Christ uh, sees all of our pain and all of our suffering. He is, he's seen every tear that we've cried. He's, he's seen every pain uh, that we've felt. He's uh, he has known every, every loss and every suffering and all our grief. And uh, he himself suffered uh, for us on the cross. And so he, he knows all those things, and he is going to wipe away every single one of those tears when he returns. And so uh, since this will only happen uh, when he returns, uh, Calvin says that's, our, that's why we have this longing uh, for that to come. To come, Lord Jesus, come quickly as Revelation will also say. And uh, so that will lead Calvin to, to sum up everything in a word as he, as he concludes uh, this, this uh, chapter and this section. Uh, Calvin says, To sum up everything in a word, he says, The cross of Christ finally triumphs in believers' hearts over the devil, the flesh, sin, and the wicked when their eyes are turned to the power of the resurrection. And put, put another way, uh, by another uh, translation of the Institutes. Calvin's saying, if believers' eyes are turned to the power of the resurrection, so again, we're focusing on the resurrection, if believers' eyes are turned to the power of the resurrection, then in their hearts, the cross of Christ will at last triumph over the devil, the flesh, sin, and wickedness. And so that's that's the hope uh, that we have, we we look uh, for, we look forward uh, to the life to come. We look to the resurrection as as the assurance, uh, the the spirit that dwells in us as that uh, down payment and that assurance uh, that we do have uh, life uh, to come, and that will help us uh, to to bear uh, whatever comes in this present life, uh, to bear our cross, uh, to to have a a uh, healthy and a godly uh, contempt, as it were, or uh, for this life. Um, not that we we hate this life, not that it leads us to to hatred or ingratitude toward God, but but just the knowledge uh, that uh, we do not belong here and that there's more and better things in store uh, for us. Uh, So with that, that uh, ends our uh, discussion on that chapter. Uh, We have a few minutes for questions. What I would like to say uh, just briefly um, is, is that I hope that you've been encouraged by the reading of the Institute's we have one more week next week, uh, but I would hope and I encourage you to to keep reading the Institutes, and so I wanted to highlight again um, this edition of the Institutes by the Banner of Truth. Um, this is 17 chapters. It doesn't look that small, but it is uh, smaller than uh, some of the other editions of the Institutes uh, and much easier to read, and I highly encourage you to to read this after the class, after next week, and and to even use this book, also uh, Banner of Truth, published uh, "Knowing God and Ourselves," which is a guide to reading the Institutes devotionally, and so I'd encourage. Using uh, the combination of these two together is a, is an excellent way to keep reading the institutes uh, after this class, so I just wanted to encourage you uh, in that to to keep reading to keep uh, exploring Calvin and all that he has to say uh, so with that I'll i 'll end are there any uh, We have a couple minutes uh, for any any questions or or clarifications or anything and remember if if you are uh, uh, wrestling with the hard words that Calvin said about the contempt for this life, just remember next week, uh, all of those will be uh, uh, resolved because uh, he will discuss uh, the, the, uh, the value of this present life. So I just encourage you in that. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, well said. Yeah, we, uh, we have that contempt, as it were, for this world because this world is marred by sin and, and that was a result of what we have done. And so we naturally will long for the world Uh, to come and for the life to come for that will be no more. So well said. Well, thank you uh, so much for your attention. Uh, Next week, we will finish up uh, Calvin looking at the final chapter. Thanks.